You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Weatherman. Once again, everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Gunner One, the podcast. I'm Derek Gunn. It is brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. And so the Philadelphia Eagles have their 21st full-time head coach in the organization's history. It is Nick Sirianni. Um, a lot of controversy out there in terms of uh, people. Some people are excited. Other people are saying, what? Him? Why? How? Where? So for this particular podcast, I had to bring in one of my main men. Uh, you know, I've only known this guy like five, six years. But if you ever watched us on NBC Sports Philadelphia on Quick Slants, if you've ever seen us out and about together, you would think that we've known each other our entire lifetimes. And we'll get to that a little bit later in the show because uh, he's done me wrong in some ways that I'll bring up later in this podcast. But he is my man. I love this guy to death because everything you see about him is natural. Barrett Brooks, what's up, man? I, what are you sniffling for, man? It, what, what? I mean, I, that was heartfelt, man. That was heartfelt. Uh, whatever. Man, I whatever. I, I, didn't, I didn't really mean it. <laughs> How you doing, yeah, man? Yeah, man. I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Just, you know, looking at, at all this stuff going on with the Eagles, man, you're absolutely right. Nick Sarianis, the new head coach. And, um, you know, I, I actually just got through talking to Anthony Beck. Um, he was, yeah. you know, Philly guy, you know, um, played for the Chiefs when he yep. was when um, when Nick was there for the short period of time he was there. And, um, you know, he said that he's one of those guys that he took full advantage of every opportunity that he had okay. um, in, 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 the, in the coaching world. You know, um, you know, understanding that he would one day be ready to, to, to take the helm and be a head coach. You know, he talked to all the players. You know, he was just a he was just one of those guys to come in and and, and basically just, you know, serve coffee. Uh, write up the, the you know the the plays for the practice um, practice teams you know to go against. He was one of those guys you know came in as that you know type of of, um, of a coach, 
And, you know, he used it as an opportunity to talk to the players, you know, not just the coaches, but talk to the players, you know, pick their brains. They say he's a smart individual because he doesn't he doesn't feel bad about going up and saying, um, you know, asking somebody for help, you know, right, uh, right. picking their brain to see, you know, what can he do to help his coaching career and help his game to make him a better coach and that's that's you know that's how you do it now that's 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 how you get yourself in a position where you become a good coach man so I think that's why they say that uh, you know he's a young guy but he's went up through the coaching ranks you know he's been coaching for 10 years now at the NFL level that's more coaching experience than even Doug had you know Doug had the you know you know the, the professional career as far as playing in the NFL but he has more coaching experience than even Doug has so when we finally learned that this was the guy the Eagles were going to go to for the future, when you considered all the names out there that they had interviewed, was this guy a surprise to you? Absolutely. In fact, I didn't know much about him. I had to go in and research him just like everybody else did. And, um, you know, once I did start researching him, I found that he, you know, he has a lot of um, situations where he, you know, he's been very productive. Um, you know, the, the people that he's coached, you know, everybody from from Rivers, you know, to Andrew Luck. Yeah. He's been in a position where, you know, he, he, he coached guys and, 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 and was around guys that he picked up different systems and understands how to, you know, put his guys in the best position to be successful. That's what you want from a coach, you know, and, and you know, looking at, you know, his coaching staff that he's building, he's got a lot of young guys that, you know, are virtually going to have to go up and, 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 and uh, learn on the fly learn on the fly, just, just, and, and do their thing. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what they're going to do and how they're going to go about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're talking about a guy that, you know, they're given an opportunity to, and I, I believe he's going to take full advantage of it. Uh, he certainly seems to fit the bill age-wise in this, this, this new and uh, day that we live in in the NFL, 39 years old. You know, a lot of teams seem to be going to those younger coaches now. Uh, that's, the, yeah. that's the new wave now. Well, you know, and it's kind of crazy because, yes, he's a you know young coach at him being 39 years old, but he also picked a younger staff also. You know, yeah. those guys aren't over 40 either, and which is shocking to me because, you know, usually when you have a young head coach, you know, no experience being a head coach, you try to surround him with guys that have been around the block a little bit, guys that are experienced, you know. Even with Doug, you know, Doug, they had already hired Swartz as the defensive coordinator before they even hired Doug. Yep. So you had a head coach there with a defensive coordinator's experience, you know, being with the Titans, you know, Detroit. But also, you know, they put him around guys that had a lot of experience, you know, as far as with the offensive line. You know, you put him in position to be successful by, you know, allowing him to be mentored by these these guys that have been around the block a little bit. Well, it's different with this coaching staff. They're going to learn on the fly. They're going to learn from making mistakes. They're going to learn from the success that they have as, as being coaches. And they're going to have to set the tone in that locker room and, and build a culture in that locker room without necessarily seeing their guys up close. You know, it's going to have to be just like we're talking right now on Zoom. They're going to have to go through Zoom to establish who they are as a coaching staff and establish what type of culture they want in that locker room. So it's going to be tough on them. But, I mean, these are you guys, you know, new guys, you know, the new wave, just like you said, you know, of young coaches coming in and establish themselves as head coaches. And, you know, and as they go forward, you know, the, the learning experience they're going to get, they are now the Belichicks. You know, they are now going out and being the, you know, the tunas of, of, of the coaching world. Mm-hmm. 
That's why I feel that this team is going to get a lot younger and get rid of a lot of the veteran presence, obviously, like the Alshons, the Deshaun Jacksons. Uh, Fletcher Cox is still going to be there, but for the most part, they're going to have to get younger because they are going to have to allow this coach to establish his identity. And as you know, B. Brooks, having played the game for as long as you have, a lot of times when you go through change, older players not a lot of times will listen to someone younger than them uh, when when you make those changes. So, you know, with having a, a lot of young nucleus in that locker room like the Miles Sanders and uh, Boston Scotts and these guys, those guys will gravitate towards a new younger coach more so than an older clientele. Right, you know, because I mean, what if they brought, what if they bring J, um, JP back? They bring yeah. back Peters. Peters is what, 35 years old? That means he's only four years younger Jason than Peters? the head coach. Jason Peters, yeah. like 37, 38, man. Oh, okay. Well, then two he old years. As dirt, you know? Like you, right. old as dirt. <laughs> so, you know, now you're asking a guy to tell him what to do. And, you know, as the head coach, when, you know, he's, you know, born around the same time he was. Yeah. You know, so I mean, this. This is one of those situations where, you know, I mean, and you look at the, the coach from, from, from the 49ers and the coach from, from the Rams, both, you know, went through the same thing with being young coaches, being innovative coaches, but yet being so young that they had to establish the culture in there and, and, and show them, yes, even though I am young, I've still experienced a lot during my short coaching tenure. So, you know, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, I'm going to give Nick the benefit of the doubt. But what I don't understand yeah. and what's 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 got me, um, you know, a, a little, uh, you know, off is that you fired Doug because you didn't give them you didn't give him the autonomy to pick his coach. And stuff. Right. But yet you let Nick come in, coach Nick come in and build his own coaching staff. So I don't know whether it's, you know, the, the higher ups want to keep, you know, a, a thumb on them and, you know, and still have that control with them because they knew Doug was going in a direction where he didn't have, he had the cachet because he won a Super Bowl to be able to do that. And they can't just boss him around or they allow him to do this because they want to keep a thumbnail on him. They want to make sure that they can tell them, tell him and, and influence him in the direction that they want them to go. You know, so I mean, this is going to be a sticky situation, you know, how this coaching staff deals with that relationship of the, of the hierarchy of the Eagles organization. Yeah. See, my biggest fear is, they're going to do to this coach initially the exact same thing they did to Doug. When they hired Doug, Doug was just so happy to become a head coach because nobody really thought he was going to get this job. Same thing with this Nick Sirianni. Nobody thought he's going to get this job. But now Howie will have his ear. Howie's thumbprint will be all over this again. And you know what they say, you know, the definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Now, Howie was lucky and won that Super Bowl in 2017, but look at how the bottom fell out after that. And now it looks like it's starting all over again. Well, yeah, man, you look at it, you know, and, and, and it seems as though that's, that's, that's how, you know, the owner, um, he goes about picking his coaches, you know, um, at the time when I was drafted, you know, when, when he first became owner, you know, I was his first draft class. I was actually the first office alignment he, he drafted. And, uh, <clears throat> and, you know, he had Ray Rhodes. Ray Rhodes had never been a head coach. So he gave him an opportunity to be a head coach and he had success early. Then he went out, you know, when, when Ray left, he, he had big red and Andy, you know, had some success early, you know, at, you know, the second year, right. he won double digit games and, and, you know, established himself as, you know, one of the better coaches in the league after that. Uh, even Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, his first two years won double digit games. 
So, you know, it's almost as like, you know, he's going to put him in a position to win mm-hmm. and win early because that's been the pattern that, you know, that, that the Eagles have been used to where they've allowed these, you know, new coaching staffs to come in, but then they had some success while they're, you know, going out there and coaching. So I'm, 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 I'm along the lines of, you know, yes, they're saying they want to rebuild, but the expectation being here in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and understanding the culture of playing here in Philadelphia and coaching in Philadelphia, that they're going to have a, they're going to be on a hot seat early as far as, you know, being able to go out and winning early because it's, it's already a, a, a pattern that's established. We've already talked about the gold standard, you know, I mean, the new norm. So let's see what this, you know, this brings us. You know, I think the mindset from the fan base will be if, if they can see the organization is moving in the right direction. And by that, I mean drafting better than they have in recent years. Um, getting strategic free agents, which is going to be difficult because of the salary cap situation they're in. Yes. And then, of course, watching the coach strategize on Sundays come game day. Now, I think fan, this fan base will will accept losing again in 2021, possibly not even getting to the playoffs in 2021, if the team's getting younger, but they can see steady improvement along the way, building towards something again. Well, more so um, at the quarterback position. You know, I, I really believe that they brought this young coaching staff in to to help Carson Wentz. Um, we know that Carson is athletically talented enough to play at a high level in the NFL. He's right. shown it before in 2017. But they've got to change how Carson thinks. And the only way to change Carson, you know, everybody's saying, you know, they got to come in and change. Only person that could change Carson from what he is is Carson. That's right. Let's start that by saying that. He's the only one that could make the decision to change who he is as a player. And he's, you know – Yes, he had. He was by far the worst quarterback in the NFL. It's documented. It's it's right there. He played himself out of a starting role in the NFL. He did that. Yeah. And you can't blame that on anybody. You can't blame it on the coaching staff. You can't blame it on the head coach. You can't blame it on play selection. Nine times out of ten, it was him making a stupid decision, right? Or trying to be a cowboy when all he had to do was run within the framework of what the offense. Uh, is and what the defense was giving him. If he just did that, he'd have played a lot better than he played, and he probably wouldn't have been benched. We wouldn't have known how good Hurts could be. He has to change that mentality, and it was very apparent from what he said after games is that, you know, he wasn't going to change. He he, he continually said, I'm going to keep being who I am, keep being aggressive, keep giving my guys an opportunity to go make big plays when – that's not what the offense was made to do. This offense was not made for big plays. This offense was made to move the chains. If times you have to dink and dunk, you must dink and dunk. If you can take the seam to the to the to the tight end, take the seam route to the tight end. Um, you have to play within the framework of what the defense is, is 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 giving you at that point. And he never did. He wanted to force the issue, which put him in bad situations, which put the offense in bad situations, mm-hmm. which led to a team with only four wins last year. Frank Wright refers to Sirianni as brilliant, detailed. That's a heck of an endorsement, man. Absolutely, you know, and it, that that's another, you know, another uh, way that uh, you know the owner thinks. You know, he's, you know, he had a ranking endorsement. You know, Doug had a ranking endorsement from um, Andy Kansas Reed, City, yeah. uh, Andy Reid. I mean, well, I think now they think Frank Rock has that same cachet. 
You know, they hold to you know hold him to a lot of respect. So they're saying, all right, this guy is, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be talented. He he could be good for your organization. Well, we'll see. You know, Frank hasn't really done anything. He's made it to the playoffs. Right, you know, right. Okay, he's done that. But um, you know, we, we'll have to see what he brings to the organization. I mean, if they really felt as though they wanted to keep Frank right, you know, they wouldn't let him go. But they did let him go, and he had some success while in, with the Colts. And you know, you know, Sirianni he had some you know success with him also, uh, with calling plays. You know, he helped you know the quarterbacks that he had. Uh, play at a high level, you know, whether it was, you know, going back with Andrew Luck, um, even to Rivers, you know, last year. He has put them guys in great position, but he never called plays. And if he's going to come in and call plays, yeah. you know, that's – I don't know, man. You know, I mean, I, I I actually wanted a coach. In fact, I was leaning towards getting a defensive coach because that way we know that the offensive coordinator would be the one that would be calling the plays. Right. I don't think I necessarily want – the head coach calling the plays. You know, I want, I think it should be separation of church and state, you know, just uh-huh. like, you know, just like you, you know, the way you used to do me, you used to tell me I couldn't go past the Delaware That's state right. line. That's right. Uh, coworkers stayed coworkers, but That's hey, right. sometimes you got to put that aside in order to have some success. <laughs> and I had some success, you know, backdooring you, you know, getting to know your family. Yeah, you did. And I would call them and then they would invite me to your house. We couldn't separate, you know, you know, church and state anymore. They allowed me to come down to Delaware. They allowed me to pass the state line to come down to visit the gun house. <laughs> well, maybe they need to do the same thing with the Eagles. Maybe, you know, Seriati needs to allow, you know, the officer coordinator. What's his name? Um, Stitching? Something, something like that, Whatever man. I'm still getting Stitchin used to it, yeah. I got I to gotta learn their names, too. Stitching, Gannon. Um, I got to learn their names, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, maybe they need to put it in the officer coordinator's hand. He had a young um, – quarterback in Herbert that he was coaching, uh, you know, in, 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 um, in, in, with the chargers and, you know, he had a, some success. Now all reports leading out of, out of charger land now are saying, all right, it wasn't him. That was, <laughs> that was necessarily uh, putting a quarterback in a great uh-huh. um, situation, yep. but still though, you know, give this young man an opportunity. We'll see. You know, I, but I, they have to fix Carson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder how many candidates turn this job opportunity down when you consider all the turmoil that became public knowledge? Uh, Doug Peterson uh, leave, surprisingly leaving all the rumors about Carson and, of course, being upside down in the cap situation. You know, I, I, I wonder just how many guys said, hey, thanks, but no thanks. And they had to finally say, uh, you know what, we, we got to pick somebody. Uh, let's try this Nick Sirianni guy. <laughs> right, you know, we know, we know that um, uh, what's his name, uh, the bull, uh, from from the Bills, right, right, the bull, Brian the bull, the offensive coordinator that really helped that offense, you know, take off. Um, really, you know, put Josh Allen as one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and you know, he was like, nah, I'm I'm not interested. No, no, thank you. I'll stay in this situation I'm in. I don't want to be a head coach at that team. You know, because he, you know, I mean, coaches talk. They, they're they not blind and they, they, they see the whole situation there. They understand how Howie, you know, wants to run that organization and, you know, how he has Carl Blanc, you know, to go to the owner at any time and get guys either fired or bring guys in that he wants. You know, those are all things, that, you know, that other coaches are looking at. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they don't want to be a puppet, you know, situation or, you know, and not to say that that's what, you know, Nick Sirianni is going to be. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Uh, 
I'm going to say I'm going to give this young man an opportunity to go out there and see what he can do, you know, see if he can coach. But, I mean, you have to look at the whole situation. Yes, there are 32 teams. There are 32 opportunities to be a head coach. That's a small sample size of jobs, you know, that, you know, are, are that specific. But to turn down a job like that, you know, there has to be some 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 stuff that's keeping, you know, guys who want to come in here. This is no longer a destination point right. for, for coaches to come now. You know, and, and it's terrible. You know, it just used to be a great destination for coaches to come or, or, or even players to come. But at this point, I can't see it being there. It's got to be money now. You know, one thing you said a little while ago is about uh, the quarterbacks that Sirianni has worked with. He's worked with Andrew Luck, Kobe Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, and yep. and of course, um, uh, who am I missing here? He just Phillip worked Rivers. with Philip Rivers. Okay. Yep. And one thing, the one constant about his style of teaching has been get rid of the ball quickly. You know, get yes. the ball to your receivers within five yards. And that's something you're starting to see a lot more offenses across the National Football League doing as well. You know, quarterbacks, one, two, three, get rid of the ball. Um, and, you know, if, if that is the case, that's a big plus, especially with an offense. We just watched the quarterback get beat up like a weeble wobble. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. You know, and that's what it is. I mean, you see the most successful um, teams as far as offensively keep the chains moving. When you try to make a big play every time you're on the field, you know, it's usually three and out because, you know, defenses get paid, you know, defensive coordinators get paid millions of dollars to stop plays like that. Right, right. And they're not going to they're not going to want to get beat over the top. A big play um, is, is not what they want to let happen. So you have to take what that defense gives you and dinking and dunking it. You know, you got to keep the chains moving. I've always told, you know, when we, when we do our shows, we need a chain mover. Alshon Jeffrey used to be a chain mover when right. we went to him because the ball would be out your hands early and you would allow him to go out there and make plays. Well, Carson, you know, he got separated from that. You know, he stopped dumping it off to the running back, you know. I mean, that was probably one of the hardest passes for him to throw this last year was the little check down to the, to the running back. He was either thrown at his mm-hmm. feet or thrown over his head. Those little check downs keep the chains moving. You know, getting the ball out to a, a Zach Ertz, you know, in the middle of the field right there in front of him for four or five yards. You know, people – you know, I tell people all the time, when, you, when you're running an offense – if you run the ball three times, you get four yards a pop. That's a first down. It doesn't always have to be a ball going down the field. I mean, if you if you you know you run the ball, you get four four um, four yards. You turn around, you throw the ball twice for three yards. That's a first down. Nickel and dime the offense. Keep the chains moving. That way, you have more opportunities to be successful. Because if you try to make a big play all the time, you won't have the same success. Because it's harder to do that against defenses these days. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep the chains moving. The more times you have an opportunity to have a play, take advantage of it. Because when you're going for the big plays, they come few and far between, and it keeps you off the field with your offense and allows the other opponent's uh, offense to be on the field to go down and score. Now, when Deuce Staley's name was mentioned again as a candidate for this job, I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. right away, Come on, man. Deuce is not getting his job. Did you think there was any way, shape, or form that Deuce had a legitimate shot of becoming the next head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? No, I mean, you, you um, just like I always say, you know, a zebra never never loses its stripes. You know what I'm saying? At no point do you think a zebra is a horse. And this organization is the same way. This, this, this zebra is going to stay steadfast with what they've been doing. Right. And not giving Deuce an opportunity to be either a coordinator 
or uh, or a head coach. Now I'd heard that they were they offered him the offensive um, coordinator's job, right. but you know Doug was still going to call the plays. Well, he's like, well, that's all for not then. That's that's totally defeating what I want to do in my career. So I believe it. You know, the Deuce had to leave, and even though it was a lateral move, he went to be the running back coach slash head coach <clears throat> for uh, Detroit. And I'll tell you, that's a great coaching combination right there because I I played with Dan Campbell with okay. the Giants. Okay. He's 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 a he's a coach that's you know a no nonsense coach a players coach he's gonna he's not gonna sugarcoat it he's gonna tell you exactly what you are and what he what you need to be to be successful on the team, and him and Deuce would be a perfect combination on getting that that uh, that team tough and pointing in the right direction, but you know he had to leave in order for his for for him to open his wings and and and, and be able to go out there and. You know, everybody else in the NFL could see who who he is as a coach mm-hmm. because it, it was never about coaching for him. His his uh, meeting room has always been one of the most successful when given opportunities um, positions on the team. Right. You know, they. I mean, he got Shaden McCoy as the leading um, rusher in Eagles history. Uh, he took a guy like Legarrette Blunt, who was just you know for you know even though he won a Super Bowl the year before, he was only a guy that would go in on on, on rundowns and 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 I mean uh, and and you know like third and one or on on goal line situations. Right. But he made Legarrette Blunt an every down black back. He was you know he kept the change moving by by handing it off to him on regular downs instead of just pigeonholing him into that big pack scenario. Um, you know look what he did with you know with Sanders this year. He allowed him to go out there and open his whole game up, made him a pass catcher when they said he couldn't catch. Um, you know, allowed him to be an every down back. Those he made those guys very successful. So, you know, yes, I mean his coaching is, is there. But I don't think he would have done well with Carson. You know, maybe Carson needs something like somebody like that to, you know, get in his butt and make him, you know, become fundamentally sound, become a better quarterback. But he just wasn't gonna get that opportunity here in Philadelphia. I look at Deuce Staley's resume um, with the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, from special teams, quality control coach, to running backs coach, to the assistant head coach. But B. Brooks, what is it, what's he missing that, that keeps him from being a head coach in the National Football League? When you look over the last couple of years, you have coaches who have lesser amount of experience getting these head coaching jobs. Stuck in a Philadelphia bubble. We know we live in a bubble. You know, you know, as as as, as an Eagles fan, we 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 take our fans, you know, very seriously, and we you know we 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 think things differently here in Philadelphia as opposed to the rest of the country. So we were inside that bubble. Everybody in this bubble understood who Deuce was, and 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 we knew, you know, what he brought to the table as a coach, but nobody else did. Nobody outside our mm-hmm. fishbowl knows who Deuce is. Well, he's going to get an opportunity now that others will see how he can coach, how he can make, you know, the guys that he has under his tutelage better players, which will now give him more of a, of a, of a you know, of a, a presence in the league as far as seeing him as a, a, a bona fide head coach candidate. Right. I mean, look at Eric Bieniemy. For years, Eric Bieniemy was with Minnesota. It wasn't until he left Minnesota as that running back coach and moved on, and now he's with Andy, that people see that he can call plays. He's, he's, he's more than just a running back coach. He is a coach's coach. He can make those type of decisions. He, you know, he's head coach material. But he had, you have to leave the roots first. You have to leave your nest first before people can see who you really are. You know, maybe we have to come to the conclusion that maybe Deuce mm-hmm. just doesn't interview well. Maybe Deuce 
is not head coaching material. I hate to say that because I've known Deuce ever since I've come to Philadelphia. I have a great deal of respect for Deuce, Deuce and our friends, but I mean, maybe we have to be a little bit more realistic about what Deuce is or maybe what he isn't. Well, that might be a possibility also. I know Deuce and ever since, I mean, I played with Deuce in, in, um, in Philadelphia. Uh, when he first became as a rookie, you know, I, I was I was there. I knew Deuce when he played with me in Pittsburgh. And, you know, during that whole time, you could tell he was a student of the game. He was a very smart guy, very sharp guy. In fact, he one of the guys that helped fast Willie Parker uh, running back um, on that on our Steelers team that won those Super Bowls. He's one of the integral parts of showing him how to be a better player, how he could hold on to the ball, you know, how he needed to stop fumbling so much. Because you know, that was his biggest um, – his biggest thing when he was with North Carolina, you know, he was the 14 running back because he couldn't keep the ball. He was always fumbling. Well, once they got drafted, they gave him an opportunity to play. Deuce was one of the guys that shared how he, you know, would, would be more effective if he stopped fumbling. He's the one that coached him into, you know, how to hold the ball and giving them pointers and everything. So I always saw Deuce being a coach. He's always, you know, had that type of air about himself, you know, that he was going to be a coach. I didn't know to this level, but I knew he was going to be a coach. I just think he just needs an opportunity so people outside of Philadelphia can see who he is as a coach. Um, I don't think he has that ability to be a damn good head coach. He's going to be a no-nonsense type of guy. And you're right. It might be one of those things that does that necessarily um, translate to this younger generation of players? Does it translate to, you know, because, I mean, I'm going to be honest, you know, a lot of NFL players now are softer than they were when I played, you know, when I played, they used to smoke cigarettes and, and you know, at halftime, you know, back in the back of the locker room, you know, it was, it was a different type of player there. Deuce might be an old school type of coach in a new school type of game. You know, that might be the case, but I really think if given an opportunity, he'd be one hell of a uh, head coach. You know, and of course, uh, the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, makes all the decisions when it comes to, you know, who's running his team, who plays for his team, so on and so forth. And, you know, when it was announced that uh, Nick Sirianni was going to be a head coach, you know, a lot of people started talking about Jeffrey Lurie and the organization is racist. You know, and, you know, I just sat back and I watched all the comments on social media and I'm like, wow. You know, and I thought Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer, I thought, if you read the article that he put out the other day about Jeffrey Lurie and racism, I thought Marcus was very detailed. I thought he was insightful and I thought he was very fair. And I pulled some of the excerpts from that article uh, where it talks about you look at Jeffrey's hiring practices since he bought his team in 1994. Granted, he has not had a blackhead coach since Ray Rhodes. I said, but, you know, he had pe- people like Mark Ross. Uh, 1997 made him the the youngest um, made him the youngest uh, scouting director uh, in the league. Lewis Riddick, um, Andrew Barry, both had prominent roles with his organization. He dra- he drafted Donovan McNabb high. He gave Michael Vick a second lease on life when nobody wanted to touch Michael Vick. Okay, he drafted Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's had women. He's given them high-ranking positions in his organization. He even has the statistician. The statistician, the statistician yes. is actually a young girl that went to high school with my kids. Okay, at Eastern here in New Jersey, gave her an opportunity, 
and she has flourished. She I mean, is it's an Indian woman. Yes. She has flourished and is now on to bigger and better things from being a statistician here with the Philadelphia Eagles. You're right. And then you look at um, his head trainer is black as well. Yep. So, you know, I think it's unfair in a lot of ways. I know a lot of people are frustrated. Uh, but I think it's unfair in a lot of ways that you even talk about Jeffrey Lurie and racism in the same breath. I mean, you play for Jeffrey Lurie. You have an idea of what he's like. Bro, there's no, there's none whatsoever. Um, and, and, you know, in him, you know, he's going to, he's going to get the candidate his, that he wants. It's doesn't, he doesn't care about the color of this candidate. He's going to get it. It won't be necessarily the most qualified guy for the position. It, it may not be the guy that has the most experience. He's going to get who he feels gives him a best chance of, 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 of creating an atmosphere that he wants in his locker room. Right. That's all he cares about. Right. He's going to get his guys. It may not be popular. If you look at the popular decision in that locker room, Deuce was the guy. Deuce was the guy that the team wanted. Uh, uh, veteran players like myself, you know, voiced our opinion saying Deuce needs an opportunity. Mm -hmm. But he went in the direction he felt as though he wanted this team to go. And I can't be mad at him about that. I am not trying to say anything about racism or anything like that. In fact, he doesn't. He doesn't think like that. Um, you know, he, he. You know, he's 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 a, a regular guy. You know, I mean, he's a Jewish guy that 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 doesn't think about color right here point blank right the only thing he wants is to have a successful team and a team that he wants built a certain way all right so now we wait to find out if Sirianni can get through uh to Doug uh, get through to Carson Wentz uh because I think the biggest question is now will Carson listen to a younger head coach when the rumors started coming out there on a regular basis that basically he had stopped listening to an older head coach well, this is a point in career where he's, you know, he's got to or get off the pot, you know, and, 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 and that's it. That's it in a nutshell. They brought in somebody to help him. The sole purpose of Sirianni coming in is to make sure that he's putting this team in the best position to win. And they really feel in the organization that the best position to win comes through Carson. I still think Carson's the best quarterback in that locker room. But he's going to have to make it a, a point to want to change, to want to receive the information. I mean, there, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's been more than one article written about him and who he is as, number one, a teammate, number two, um, as far as being coachable. He's going to have to change. What he's done is not working. Mm -hmm. He had his most success when he was around, um, uh, uh, you know, somebody that, that was hard on him, like Reich who understood that, you know, that fundamentals is how he has to become a better player. So they made sure that he, you know, they, they, they stayed on his fundamentals. I see a lack of fundamental play in Carson's game right now. And these young guys are going to have to make sure that they go out and, and, and direct him in a manner in which they get those fundamentals back in place. Without fundamentals, you cannot get better in this league. And, you know, it's, it's proven. You know, look at his game now. Look at his game back in 2017. The difference is he was fundamentally more sounder um, during that year with somebody in his ear making him do those things as opposed to now where he just lost the whole sense of, of, of Carson Wentz's, I mean, uh, of Doug Peterson's voice in his ear and those fundamentals that um, he lost during this time period that he didn't have that coach in his ear. See, a lot of people out there saying, well, Carson Wentz won the battle with Doug Peterson, but do you think also that this organization might still entertain the possibility 
of trading Carson if the right package uh, deal came along? That's that's totally up to Carson. That's totally up to his sense of of being coachable. If he wants to change, Carson will change. Um, if Carson wants to be here, he'll do what it takes to be here. If he doesn't want to be here, he'll keep asking him for, uh, uh, you know, a, a trade. You know, he wants to get out of here. You know, that's solely up to Carson. He's got to make that decision. They're going to pay him a lot of money over the next couple of years. You know, starting off with, you know, $34 million. Um, he has like, you know, a, like a, a huge bonus, um, you know, at, at, the, at the calendar league yeah. calendar year, yeah. like March 21st. You know, it's a lot of money they got to get him. They have a you know a little bit of time to see what direction Carson Wentz wants to go, and it's up to him what direction he wants to go. Whether he wants to be successful here or successful somewhere else, it's all about Carson doing what it takes to be the best player he can be, and the only way he can do that is get fundamentally sound and listen to somebody besides himself. Okay, so how many coaching changes did you go through when you were a player? And Tell me, if, if you went through any, tell me the mindset when you start talking to teammates about, hey, what's going to happen here? What direction are we moving in now? Well, I was I was a part of that 3-13 and team uh, with, with, with Bobby Hoying and that whole, you know, fiasco there where Dana Bibles, our, um, our officer coordinator, halfway through the season, yeah. Bill Musgrave, who was actually on a roster the year before. Wow. Um, Ray Rhodes gave him um, the play calling uh, responsibilities, you know, when we were in California, said, look, you call the players from this point forward. And, you know, Dana Bible, who's always a creator, got, you know, basically put aside and, and, and was like a scout team coach in, in so many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, people didn't understand the year before Bobby Hoying, the year before he had like four games, in which he played very, very well. And, um, you know, they thought he was going to be the future, but people didn't understand that, um, the officer coordinator at the time was Chucky, you know, um, you know, Chucky would tell him, Hey, on three watch stick. nod, you throw it to the stick. Nod, right. You throw it to the tight end and we'd be in practice. And, you know, a guy like Willie T would go over and pick it off. But then he said, you know, don't worry about Willie T in a game. You know, we're talking about Willie T here. We're not talking about him really? But in the game. You throw it to this nod route. Right. So we get in the game and boom, you know, he throw it to Chad Lewis and he'd be wide open. You know, so, you know, it was one of those things where, all right, then, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what he said. So he says, throw it to the seam route. I'm going to throw it to the seam route. Um, you know, whatever, you know, Coach Gruden told him to do. Well, I call him, I call Coach Gruden Chucky. Right. Whatever Coach Gruden told him to do, he would do it. He had some success. And, you know, they even offered him a contract at the end of the year for $20 million, uh, $20 million for five years. I mean, uh, $20 million, $20 million for four years, $20 million for four years. And he turned it down. Bobby Hoying turned it down because he wanted to get Rob Johnson money because Rob Johnson left Jaguars to the Buffalo Bills, and he got $25 million for four years. He wanted the same contract. Well, long story long, we went 3-13. and 13. Um, Because Gruden told him to throw the ball here and he would throw it there, he didn't really get a sense of how to read defenses. And it really hurt him at the end because he would hold the ball too long. He had a record number of sacks. He did, you know, he was sacked, you know, interception. He just, you know, from that point on, he just wasn't a skilled player that we thought he was because we didn't have Gruden here telling him where to throw the ball. How did the, how the so world Bobby Hoy and asking for more money? He should have been given a rebate back for his play, man. Right, right. But that's what I'm saying, you know. But because of those four games – you know, they, they wanted to pay him. He said no, which made me hesitate about Jalen Hurts. You know, yes, Jalen Hurts could be a good player. And those four games, he showed the ability to make something out of nothing. 
you know, even with the lack of talent that he had around him. But I don't think it's still a big enough serving size to, you know, to, to, to dictate him being the future quarterback going forward. Mm. You know, he needed to show me more. I still think that Carson Wentz was the best you know, – he's the best quarterback as they enter into this season, you know, because of the experience that he has. And plus, you know, he is good once he starts to listen. And if he does listen, you know, he could be that type of guy. But, you know, long story long, and at the end of the day, this team has to make sure that they don't go into what I went through in, 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 in the 3-13 and 13 team or the four-win team that they had last year. They're going to have to make sure they're motivated and ready to go out there and perform, man. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. You know, it, it's tough because when guys are coming in, you got new guys coming in, right. you see guys going out, and your future's uncertain. Um, it's really hard to stop the team from going out there and doing their own things and not having the same team concepts. You want to go out there and interview for 31 other teams. So you're doing things that don't necessarily fit within the framework of, 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 of what, you know, the team concept is. But you are putting enough film out there that 31 other teams see that your athletic talent can put you at another level. So as we sit here right now, there have been uh, six new head coaches hired in the NFL uh, only the Houston Texans are still looking for a head coach at this time. The big problem is none of them were African-Americans being hired. Are you surprised by that? Um, you know what? I am surprised because I know there are a lot of candidates out there. Um, I really, truly think that Houston is just waiting for Biennemi to finish up his. Um, Maybe Leslie you know, Frazier also. Sir. Oh, Leslie first, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so both guys are very, very qualified to become a head coach. Um, we lost a head coach uh, with with the Chargers. Um, you know, him being fired. Um, at this point, you know, I still think there's a lot of candidates out there that could really make some headway on, uh, you know, making teams successful and, and and put them in a position where they're they're successful teams. But you know, like I said, you know, just like with the Rooney Rule, I love the Rooney Rule. I mean, I love the fact that you have the Rooney Rule because without the Rooney Rule, a lot of these coaches, African-American coaches, these black coaches would have a, an ability to go out there and have an opportunity to even um, – an opportunity to even get, you know, get in front of owners of teams so they could go out there and, 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 and you know, try to get a job. You know, without the Rooney Rule, there would not be a lot of these, you know – you know, African-American um, coaching staffs or even, you know, the Lebanese coaches um, coach, you know, just signed, you know, with 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 the Jets, you know, Robert, he would have had Robert that Salah, opportunity. Yeah. yeah, Saleh, yeah. yeah. They, he wouldn't have that opportunity without the Rooney rule opening the door, because once you get in front of somebody, it's hard, you know, to 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 to, to not, you know, at least listen to the guy that's sitting right in front of you. You know, if you're right in front of them, it's going to be hard not to listen to it. And then maybe you could turn around and, and, and put yourself in a position where you make it, you know, almost impossible for them not to hire you. You know, kind of the same thing would happen with, with Pittsburgh. You know, you couldn't have told me that uh, Russ Grimm wasn't going to be the head coach of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, hey, you know, this young black coach came in and wooed the Roonies. And, you know, gave him a deal they couldn't, you know, couldn't refuse. And, you know, this is, you know, he's now been there, what, 10, 11 years now? 14 as a head years, coach. Man. 14, yeah. see? I mean, he gave him an offer they couldn't refuse. They couldn't yeah. turn him down as far as you being a head coach. So, you know, those, you know, at least you have the opportunity with the Rooney rule that you didn't have before. And Mike Tomlin, uh, for the record, has never had a losing season as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now you played in the league crazy. You played in the league twelve years. Why didn't you? Tra- yes. Why didn't you transition into coaching? 
too much time, man. Too much time. Um, and plus, it's a, it's a small amount of those jobs out there. You yeah. know, I mean, it's it's you know, it, I I would have had a you know a, a a better chance of 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 somebody that didn't play because you know the last part of my career that's firstly what I did, especially for the Steelers. Uh, Russ Grimm um, kind of made me a player slash coach. Uh, with the younger guys, you know, consider that, you know, I, I could communicate with them. You know, I, I, I um, you know, I had guys like Max Starks and Chris Kimawatu. You know, he would tell me, go over in the corner and teach them this and teach them that. Understanding that my role was, you know, I was the sixth man off the bench. And, um, you know, with me, they could not dress um, another offensive line because I played every single position. I played center, guard, and tackle. So they would just dress me. That way they could dress another receiver or another linebacker. And it gave them autonomy to, to really um, dress others. You know, if they wanted to dress another DB, they would just dress me knowing that I could play all the positions. So it put me in a position where I had to know all the offense. I had to know, you know, everything that was going on because I played center also and I had to play the two guards and both tackles. And because of that, he would send me over with the younger guys and, hey, teach them why you're doing this. So I'd go into a corner and I'd be teaching them this, teaching them that. And they were real receptive of it. And it became, you know, that I stayed there an extra two years. In fact, it leaked in my career two more years because I could articulate what I wanted these young guys to do. And it made them better players. And it, it kind of made me, you know, almost like a, a – a coach on the field because I knew I could do that. I just didn't want to do that because I took spent too much time away from my family. I mean, I mean, I went through it all, man. You know, during my twelve year career, I was, you know, I I went up to Detroit, I mean, uh, to Denver, signed with two year deal with Denver. At the end of the day, they sent me to Green Bay, and I had you know my my wife and kids up in Denver while I went to there in Denver, registered in school, um, got a house and everything because their head coach told her, "Hey, you'll be here for your while. You're starting." But then they trade me, and I go to Green Bay, and now my family's sitting there in 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 Denver. My wife just had our our, our three week old, three week, not three month, three week old daughter china wow and she's there trying to pack everything up take the kids out of school and move back to uh philadelphia while i go to green bay you know those things that you know i, I didn't want to go through because just like you know um the fact that you know nick seriani's here he has to move everything from from Indy? indianapolis yeah. to philadelphia that's, I mean, that's just a tough thing to do, man. So you decide to make a career in broadcasting and, and not coaching. And I hate totally by accident. And I see, totally I, accident. I was just about to ask you that. Um, when you, when you, you're personable, knowledgeable, was it a deliberate goal to get in TV radio? Or as you just said, it was by accident. How so? No, because I, I enjoyed being in the back of the camera. I, I produced for a while. In fact, I produced at ESPN. Well, you, um, you look better behind the camera than in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I started working, you know, at, at NBC, you know, doing this little football show. And all of a sudden, you know, this guy, Derek Gunn, for some reason, he just kept, you know, you know, bringing me in. Come on, come on, come to the dark side. Come on over to the dark side. And next thing I know, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm on the dark side. I'm a stormtrooper with you, Dark Vader. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Brought me over to the dark side, man. You know, so I mean, but you know, I, I, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy talking, as you can see. Yeah. But the, you know, the biggest thing, you know, like I said, me and you, we had we had a great, you know, 
one-two punch, man. Oh, Even man. though you were throwing most of the jabs, man. You know, yeah, I, I right. You, right, right. See, you you keep saying that, and you've said that for years. You try to play this innocent role. See, people out there don't know. I will give you credit for this. Your per- What's that? What's your that? personality is infectious. Everywhere we go, everybody loves Baird Brooks. You stop and talk to everybody to the point when we would have to get places by a certain time. I would just leave you because you stand right, there right, whole you just court. leave me alone. Like- yes. Don't leave me, bro. No, no. Take me with you. I, I would, I would just leave you because you stand in whole court with everybody. Show them your Super Bowl ring. Take family photos with everybody. I'm like, look, man, I got to get to where I need to be. Your personality is such that I still don't know how you were able to do this. You somehow backdoored me and 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 got past my front line of defense and got to know my family to the point. The kids call you Uncle Bear now. And I'm thinking, how did this happen? <laughs> right, right. I mean, you, 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 done your, you done your due diligence, man, um, and, and, and figure out who I was. I, I, I definitely admit that. But, I mean, I mean, bro, you, you've done a lot of dirt also. I, 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 remember I, 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 I admit to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say this. The, the, the all-time greatest, man, the all-time greatest is when – um, it was it was your, your, your daughter's um, wedding uh, party. Party, yes. Was, um, yeah, so, um, you know, this they're announcing their wedding and everything. And we have so, eighty something people in the house. Yes, it's like 80, 85 people in there, and I'm sitting in the middle of the of the kitchen, and everybody's looking around. Everybody's having a nice time, and I'm sitting there with my daughter, and I just couldn't resist myself. I couldn't resist it, man. But I'm sitting in the middle, and I just start yelling, "No, Derek, no, no!" And everybody's looking. Like what? What's going on? I mean, we got people <laughs> no, Derek, I'm not Derek. No, he like and you looking at me like what are you talking about? Derek, stop asking us to leave. Why do you want me and my daughter to leave? You dirty, you dirty <laughs> dog, you dirty dog. So his wife walks around the corner and looks at Derek. So his daughter is getting married because Annalisa says, "Up, uh, Dad, did you just ask?" Yes, to yes, leave? I'm getting the third degree, and I'm getting and I'm getting the evil eye from my wife and my daughter. And my other daughter is looking at me like, really, Dad? I'm like, no, I didn't ask him to leave. <laughs> and I'm thinking, he got me again. He's the all-time greatest. <laughs> he, he got me again. You know, and I'm thinking, that's unbelievable. Now, His wife he, pulls me to the corner. No, you don't have to leave, man. Come over here. I'm here, like, take some of these cookies right here. <laughs> now, now, at this point, I'm plotting your death. Yeah, I want you to realize I'm plotting your death. Should I go outside and puncture one of his car tires? <laughs> but I'm thinking, no. You know, I love his daughter. I love his daughter, China. You know, I can't do that to her, have her stuck down in Delaware. But if you were by yourself, you would never have made it back across that state line. Oh, man, that was the greatest, though, man. Because because everybody, nobody um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the wedding family, they knew me and him joked all the time because we worked together. Right. But they didn't, they didn't know if we were serious or not. And they were looking like, oh, my God. So, you know, you, you see people kind of uncomfortable, you know, like. Yes, what, um, yes. Is that- <laughs> all these people in there, they don't know our relationship. And I'm like, and I'm trying to laugh it off. And people are looking at me like, you know, like that old commercial, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Right. <laughs> man, everybody in the room just went, oh, Really? Is, is he serious? I'm like, I'm going to get him. I don't know how. I don't oh, know when. Goodness. But considering <laughs> considering the volume of pranks I pulled on you, you oh, owed no me that one. Hot sauce. You, oh, my Hot goodness. sauce at the Super Bowl. You, you owed uh, me that one. To me, everything, man. Everything, you know. man. But you know what? Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Um, 
I, I have enjoyed our friendship, our brotherhood for years to come. But I want people to know something else. You know, we 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 cut it up a lot, but I want them also to know a serious side of you and your wife Sanji that you guys own a nursing school in New Jersey. Can you can you and tell people, you know, can you tell people out there exactly what it is and, and what it does? Oh, no question. We teach EKG for body, patient care, tech, CNA. We did have an LPN program waiting for people to come. Um, you know, what we're big in now is um, we're, we're, we have a nursing agency. And what we do, you know, healthcare agency. And it's perfect, man, because, you know, with everything going on right now, um, you know, with the pandemic, um, there's a lot of people uh, that, that don't get the care that they need. And we, we send a support staff out to help them out. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we, we make sure that there we have people that help the disabled people that are, you know, they I mean they're family members, you know. So right now, the, the Uncle Sam, the government is allowing um, us as caregivers and, you know, facilitating caregiving to disabled people by the people that, you know, originally take care of like, you know, mothers, fathers, sisters, sure. brothers, sure. uncles, aunts, taking care of their family members. And with these jobs, you know, a lot of people losing jobs, we can now um, obtain resources from the government to pay them to take care of their loved ones. And, you know, that, that, that couldn't be a better, um, better way in which you could help, you know, both, you know, both, both sets of people, you know, you, you got the people that, are, that don't have jobs because of the COVID, but also helping their disabled loved ones. And, you know, so both of them are getting help and the government is helping them do it. So, you know, it's, it's a blessing for us, you know, to facilitate that relationship and keep that going and, you know, and, and, and you're helping people, man. So, you know, I love to help people, man. So instead of investing in the stock market, I invested in a smart wife because yeah. I knew, hey, I needed a sugar mama, man. I ain't going, I ain't going to sugarcoat it, bro. I need somebody to take care of me when I was done. I can't bro. believe, I, I can't believe you fooled her all these years. <laughs> He's a, you can't be I'm, a, I'm, I'm a good catch, bro. What are you talking about, man? She, man, you you one of those catches you throw back in a hurry. It's like catch. It's like catching a carp or a mud cat. You, you look at it, say okay, and throw it back in the river. See what I got to deal with. See what I'm saying? See what I got to deal with. You know? How you gonna say I was a catch? You told me, oh no, you the catch. You got to throw back. <laughs> you, you know, but aren't you guys also opening an office in Philadelphia? Yes, we just opened up um, down in in Philadelphia. Um, you know, it, you know, we're starting up. In fact, I'm making tables and everything, putting the office together. Um, you know, we're also trying to see what we can do as far as helping with, um, with, uh, the COVID vaccine, see if we can be a site for the COVID vaccine. We're looking into researching that right now, or at least get testing site there, uh, to, you know, test for, you know, COVID. There's so many things that, you know, that, that we can use to help people that people don't know so many programs that we can help people that, you know, we can help facilitate it. And we we're trying to do as much as we can. And, uh, you know, right now it's down at a point breeze in Philadelphia in South Philly, um, open up the office there, you know, it's going very, very well, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to it, man. You know, I'm looking definitely forward into being more involved in, in my company also. You know, there are a lot of industries out there. Uh, jobs are hard to come by nowadays, but I, I noticed, uh, when I was reading last week that the medical field is wide you open. Read? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had one of my children read me this article. <laughs> That's just as bad as you. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there talking with. We're sitting there talking to the boss. You know, the boss is sitting there, and uh, um, he come up to me. He said, "T, t, t he." Yeah. 
He said, it's like, what are you talking about, Derek? That word you was trying to sound out the other day. I was, what are you talking about? He said, no, fool. It's not to he. It's the. I'm like, come on, man. Not in front of the boss, man. <laughs> he said, hey, I was that, sounding that, out. That was when we worked in NBC Sports together. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I mean, you keep you keep bringing up this stuff that I have no recollection about. I, 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 that, that word you were sounding out the other day. It's not to he. It's the, boy. <laughs> but you know what? I, um. How how can people, uh, especially people looking for good quality jobs, how can people get into one of your schools? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's inflation proof. You know, at this point, okay. there's always going to be sick people. There's going to be old people. But you know, look it up on our um, on our website. Uh, you know, at www.brooksalternative.com. You know, you can check it out. Um, you know, we 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 try our best to do whatever we can to help facilitate. You know, jobs. Uh, you know, get you informed, um, teach you a trade, you know, everything, you know, so, you know, this is, it's, it's inflation proof, you know, there's, there's always going to be a need for, for, you know, people that help people. And, you know, it's, it's nothing like being that liaison to, you know, allowing people to get a job, number one, number two, uh, becoming a technician, because there's always be technicians that are going to be needed. And number three, gives you an opportunity you know, to be a better person. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love healthcare and I'm gonna get more involved with my companies also, you know, you never know what this, this, this TV thing slash radio thing right. slash, you know, I mean, cause it's, it's so many ways in which you can make money in it, but it's also so many ways that others are making it too. Sure. So it's, be, it's, it's, it's a tough industry to be in right now. I'm touched. You actually have a good quality about you, man. You're out there doing, well, mostly your wife. You just latched on to your wife, man. She's the brains behind this operation. You basically latched on to Sanji. She had a great idea out there helping people better themselves. And, you know, so I'm not going to give you a lot of credit for it. I'm giving her more of the credit, more so than anything calling, else. I'm going to start calling you Nino Brown. Man. You, you never failed to Nino Brown. <laughs> brown me every time you know you know you never fail to do it bro you, hey, never, hey, you always need no brown on me man. hey man one more thing before i let you go i think a lot of people should know about you you know um it's a fact that dude did you and i've watched you over the years dude you like to tinker a lot you you fix cars i've seen yeah. some of the stuff you sent me pictures of stuff that you've built in your backyard in your house redoing walls building tables and stuff and i'm thinking you know I'm what? cheap. That's why. I'm may cheap. Maybe he's not the the simple football player that I thought he was. To <laughs> he, <laughs> <laughs> you actually do have a skill set in terms of building stuff. Is it, have you always been able to tinker and build stuff like that? Yeah, man. It, it comes down from my pops, man. My pops would build fish tanks out of wood. Um, and you know, he wait would, a minute, he would, a wooden fish tank? Cars. I've never seen well, that. Did some of that. To some of the base of it, man, the base and stuff of it. It made it real nice, man. And then, you know, um, he, he, you know, he was the mechanic in the army for, you know, for 17 years. So, you know, I, I tinker a little bit. You know, I'm out working on my, my car in the front right, now. Right, right. You know what? It's crazy because uh, <laughs> I, uh, it, first of all, wrecked the Mercedes, you know, back four years ago. And it's been in my front yard for the last three years. I bought it back from the um, insurance company. So it's sitting in front of my house. And I, I stay in a pretty nice neighborhood. So I'm out there Rich um, working on it. Look, no, seriously, but I'm out there working on it, right? So the first day I'm out there, there's two separate instances, two separate instances with two separate families. As they're walking by, they start clapping. I'm like, 
what is this? So the next day, another couple of cabins, they said, they're so glad that I'm out there fixing that wreck in front of my house. So I get in front of my house that they're applauding me as I'm doing it. But I say, come on, man, it's not that bad. But yeah, you know, here I am in this nice neighborhood, you know, with a, with a you know, clunker sitting in front. I'm like, it's a Mercedes. What are you looking at? It's a Mercedes. They don't care. They, you know, they just want it out, man. So I'm doing that right now, fixing my Mercedes. And it's a lot more complicated than I thought, man, because there's a lot more bells and whistles and, um, you know, a lot more electronics and everything. But I'm, I'm learning yeah. slowly but yeah. surely and putting it together. And I'll have, I'll have it done in about another month, month and a half. And see, also you have the boat out there. You've been trying to get me on your boat to go fishing uh, in the ocean forever. I'm, I'm, trying, not, I'm not getting on the boat with you, man. You talking about going 50, 60 miles offshore. We'll go I'm not going. fishing, man. Look, man. It's a big boat. The I don't boat care. is 38 feet long. It's look, a man. big boat. Look, dude. Who, we will survive. I, I, look, I saw Jaws and I saw that movie, <laughs> The Meg. I'm not going 60 miles offshore. I'll go, I'll go in the bay, five, six miles. I'll go out. I'm not going. <laughs> Look, if I can't see land, D Gun has no business being out there. Plus, I'm not too sure you might might not try to push me overboard, come back in line, tell my wife he was over there dancing around the edge of the boat and fell over. And we couldn't find him on the depth finder anymore. We don't know what happened to him, Trish. No, Bro, I'm not going out like that, man. You think I could I could go out and let that happen? I would I wouldn't even come back if I couldn't bring you back, bro. That's the yes, you would. I wouldn't even come back. Yes, I wouldn't even come would. back if I could bring you back. To be able to look at, at your wife and kids, I couldn't do that, man. In fact, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fifty miles out. It would probably be thirty or probably no. No, see, I have see, see, think see no, no. <laughs> hey, we can go lake fishing, we can go river, stream, creek. Um, I'll even I'll even surf fishing for fish with you. You're not taking me 60 miles offshore, man. I can't do Bro, it. Bro, it's fun. And look, my my, my son and, and his girlfriend bought me this uh, incredible, this was like a couple of years ago, bought me this incredible life vest. Like one of these, like, like real military type, you know, life jackets, man. But, you know, and I'm like, it's sitting in my closet collecting dust. Uh, Come on, you can bring it, man. You, you'll float, man. You'll float. Let me tell you something. The only way I put that <laughs> life jacket on is if a massive flood comes through my neighborhood and that's all I got left <laughs> is it saved me is to put that life jacket on and float down with it. But Are you smack dab in the middle of Delaware? Ain't no flood coming, man. <laughs> but that's the only way I put that life jacket on, man. But no, we don't. We gonna we gonna get together. We're gonna go we're gonna do some fishing this year, man. You know, I, no question. You know, we got to. Some got some to. flounder fishing, definitely. I definitely want oh, to do man. that. Yeah. Ain't nothing like going and catch some flounder, man, bringing it back to the dock and then, you know, frying it up right there on the Ooh. boat, man. And, and I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, man. So I, I can't wait, man. We, we definitely going to make it happen, especially, you know, our birthdays are in May. Yes. You know, a couple of weeks apart. You know, we'll, we'll make that happen this year for sure. Yeah, right? man. Hey, man. Hey, look, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on this edition of Gun I Want the Podcast. Um, you know how I feel about you. Uh, you family to me. Uh, you know, we've been cutting up on each other for years now. It's going to continue to happen, man. But thank you for taking the time to do this, man. Thank you, too, man. Thank you, man. Have a good one, bro. I appreciate you guys. All right, so that's going to wrap up this edition of Gun on One, the podcast brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. For my main man, Barrett Brooks, I'm Derek Gunn. As always, stay blessed out there, everybody. But more importantly, uh, become a blessing to each and every person you encounter each and every day. So long. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Elvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Elvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. 
For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.